Hello to everyone tuning into the Highly Optimized Podcast today. My name is Ryan Sprague, and throughout this podcast, I will be showcasing individuals who are living a life beat to their own drum, sharing their stories, and revealing their valuable information for you listeners on how you can effectively take life into your own control, what steps to take to create your own path, and how to maximize your results in manifesting your dreams in this reality. Hopping onto the show to share his experience and wisdom with us today is a man who from the first moment I met, I knew was a powerhouse in taking action. His ability to narrow his focus and keep himself oriented on the task at hand is a superpower that I knew I wanted to dive into more, and getting to attend one of his workshops recently on imposter syndrome made it clearly evident how much work he has done to be able to be the person he is today. He is the owner of Uprise Fitness and the co-owner and COO of Alpha Hippie, a company dedicated to helping men break through the barriers in their way to become the highest representation of who they are meant to be. Please help me in welcoming Ryan Buccentini to the show. What's up, my man? Man, what an intro. <laughs> Thank you, Beautiful, brother. man. I love it. <laughs> Hell love yeah. It. You know, I forgot to uh, ask if you were still at Uprise or if that was just on your LinkedIn, uh, but I figured, you know, I'm just going to throw it in there, you know, because it was a, it was a yeah, big part no. of your, uh, of your uh, development from what it seemed like on LinkedIn, you know, so. Huge, huge. Yeah. Uh, I'm still the owner of it nice. in, its, in its current State. form yeah <laughs> yeah it's uh it's mostly remote now so we're not doing a physical location but yeah it's very much still a part of me dude that's awesome man you know i really think that's so cool man because you know getting you on the show and getting to hear more of your journey you know when we were when we first met at mark england's house you know we got to spend uh, a good amount of time together and also a couple of those nights were pretty hilarious in terms of uh you know the state of awareness we were all in uh so, so yeah and uh getting to come out to san clemente was an epic blur i feel like i was there for two minutes but it was like 10 yeah. days it was like it flew by because i was so just like awestruck by like you mean there's just sunshine like all the time? Like it doesn't go away? Like what am I going to do with this information? I came back tan. It was beautiful. And so, you know, getting to share your journey with the listeners and hear more myself is something I'm really excited to do. And I'd love it if we could begin by hearing some of the highlights and pivotal moments that allowed you to be sitting here in front of me right now. Man. Well, thank you for that. Thank you for the beautiful intro. Yeah, I'm brother blessed and honored to be here, super pumped yeah. and super excited to share my story. So I got started, I guess if we're, if we're looking for kind of pivotal, pivotal shifts. So when I graduated high school, I joined the Coast Guard mm -hmm. where I spent 14 years as a gunner's mate. So anything firearms related is where I got my, you know, training and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And, you know, 14 years in the military, um, joining that at a very young age is very formative. <laughs> it really changes how you perceive the world, how you interact with the world, your thoughts, really who I started to become as a man. And in August 2017, I left that to pursue my gym full time. So towards the tail end of my career with the Coast Guard, I had started a gym with my wife, Christina, called Knuckle Down Athletics, which mm. then evolved into Uprise. So we did that for about five years. I, I basically built that as my plan to leave the military, knowing that I really didn't want to move around once I got married and we decided to have a family. So mm -hmm. we did Uprise and I love that. I loved being a coach. I really had this deep passion for you know, helping people just become healthier through my idea of what fitness was. 
I was deep into the world of CrossFit and I thought I could do it better. Mm-hmm. You know, my ideas around it is what I wanted to build and bring to the world. So we opened our gym in San Diego. That's where I was stationed. And we did that and I loved it. That was so formative. I met some amazing people. Obviously I met both Marcus and Angelo through that, you know, at one point they were both huge mentors and continue to be mentors in my life and COVID hit and, you know, Ange was talking about Alpha Hippie. He had kind of started the program and what it was going to be. And I was super interested in it. It was really helpful for me as a man with the concepts that he was using at the time. So I was like, hell yeah, I'm in. He was telling me about it and COVID hit and I decided to shut down Uprise, at least the physical location of Uprise and Mm. really step into Alpha Hippie and what Marcus and Ange had already built. So taking that step forward, I approached those guys and I was like, listen, I want a job. And they were like, sweet, you know, you're the perfect fit for what we're trying to do. And I stepped into that. And from that point forward, we really hit the ground running. And they, I think they had a bigger plan for me and just never, never really expressed that they were going to let me approach them with, with what I actually wanted. Yeah. And I was like, guys, listen, I want to buy into this. I want to be an owner, whatever I need to do to to facilitate that I'm ready to do. And they're like, sweet, great. We were just waiting for you to ask. So (laughs) here we are today. And, you know, now I'm co-owner of Alpha Hippie, still doing Uprise, you know, for the people that want to continue to uh, utilize me as a coach, just through the, you know, the physical expression of, of health. Mm -hmm. And yeah, man, I'm looking forward to, to growing Alpha Hippie into this worldwide phenomenon of men's health and development. Hell yeah, man. That is so cool. And, you know, really what I saw is like the Luke Skywalker Yoda moment, you know, like that was like, you know, you with Ange and Marcus, you know, and, uh, totally. and then realizing like, you know, like you can do this, like you're on the same level, like let's go. And it's so cool because, you know, in meeting you, like I said in the intro, I mean, like I was just like, wow, dude, this guy's a force. Like, just because like, I know, uh, how, taxing it can be for me to like uh you know i'm at a party i'm doing all these things like there's all these people around and then it's like okay work mode you know like it's it's challenging to get into that mode and man like you sat there set up that podcast for Angela and i and just boom you were just on it the whole time you weren't like on your phone you were just driven and i was like damn that oh, guy's yeah. got focus man like and that's something that Ange has been helping me a lot with is just narrowing my focus you know i have so mm-hmm. many things going at all the time that you know when i see someone who can just room like you know like the death star for the second star wars reference you know when sure. seven lasers become one <laughs> it's yeah. like i really appreciate that and i'm curious you know was that something that you always were really good at or did that happen through the military or did that happen just you know through a, a series of of, you know, fortunate events, shall we say. The military has a unique ability to make you incredibly resilient and adaptable. And when you work for the government, if you are not able to pivot and adapt quickly, you kind of get left behind. Mm. So me being able to kind of take the ideas of the creatives, like I personally, I really view Ange and Marcus as the creatives Mm -hmm. of Alpha Hippie. And I'm the person that, that drives the ship 
mm-hmm. forward, right? Mm-hmm. So it's definitely a learned thing. And it's just through years and years of being exposed to SOPs and really just following things. I'm very A, B, C, D mm-hmm. driven. I'm very steps, steps driven. So yeah, I don't think I was born with this. I think I just was naturally drawn to it. I like following steps and I like having procedures because I feel like nothing falls through the cracks Mm. that way. And I, you know, I totally understand that can be a really daunting thing (laughs) for the creative types like yourself, Yeah, you know, and (laughs) to me, creating systems and following things like that is just natural to me. I live, I shouldn't say I just live in black and white, but for a long time, as a young man, I viewed the world as black and white, right and wrong, good or bad. Mm-hmm. And as I grew, I realized that there is in fact a gray area. <laughs> and with the more success you have, you know, you have to embrace that gray area. But the years I spent following that dualistic approach to getting work done uh, really worked well for me. And it it's put me in a position that I really, really enjoy. I enjoy organization. I enjoy structure. And if I continue to play in the, in the chaos and like dabble in the chaos, which kind of is what we experienced at Mark's, uh, it's only gotten better. That's awesome. You know? Yeah. That's really cool. And, um, I forget what Andrew said, but what's your human design out of curiosity? Uh, I'm a five one. Oh, I'm a five one also, dude. Yeah. Nice. Uh, dude, I'm, I believe I'm an anomaly five one. <laughs> I really do because, and you know, now knowing that you're a five one, mm-hmm. knowing that Angelo is a five one mm-hmm. and some of the other people that I know are five ones, it's frightening and super exciting to know that somewhere deep down inside of me, there's a super creative outlet yeah, <laughs> that I have not tapped into yet that yeah. I'm super excited to find. But what I don't see is a lot of other five ones with the organizational capacity that I have. So I feel like I bring a very unique approach to the five one. Mm. I love that, man. Yeah. You know, it's it's been one of the things that uh, as I learn more about human design, I get so fascinated by it because it really, to me, explained a lot about me to me that I was unaware of. And, you know, the journey of self-exploration is one that, you know, uh, comes with its own, uh, shall we say, challenges and trials and tribulations. And, you know, speaking of like trials, tribulations, et cetera, you know, you're someone who like looking at you now, right? Like I would just be like, damn, this guy's always been this person, right? And I imagine that like we just talked about, you've gone through some challenges throughout your life that have made you into the person you are right now, right? And one of the things I love doing for the listeners, because a lot of times I know listening to the podcast, I can be like, damn, these guys, they just got it all together. You know, they, they've never made a mistake in their life, you know? And, uh, so I love, (laughs) I love, uh, humanizing us, you know, and, and chatting about some of the challenges that ultimately we all face in life, right? Because those are what allow us to grow. I mean, think about when we go to the gym, we break down muscle to allow it to grow more, right? So what have Mm -hmm. been some of the times in your life where you've broken down your muscle and, and allowed it to grow the biggest. <laughs> I mean, really, it was the inception of the gym. Mm. I was so naive in what 
I thought entrepreneurship really was. And to toot my own horn, I was very successful in the military. Like mm-hmm. that really was my calling um, as I kind of grew up as a young man. You know, school was not the right move for me. And I, I saw the military and I was like, man, I'm really good at this. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, man, I just like crushed these last 14 years. I don't really want to move around anymore. So let's uh, let's just dive into entrepreneurship. It it can't be that hard. Yeah, it'll be a cakewalk. And <laughs> yeah, you know, everybody's doing it. Yeah. <laughs> so so I you know rented a space in San Diego, one of the most expensive expensive places in the world, <laughs> and we started on this gym business. And I had, I mean, I had been a coach and really coaching people in the military, and I just kind of thought people were going to show up. And I was sorely, sorely mistaken. I, I don't want to say I missed the CrossFit bubble, but I was definitely later, you know, later in the game where it wasn't quite set or really wasn't the novelty. Mm. And there were gyms, you know, every, you know, five or 10 miles, something <laughs> like that. Yeah. So I was like, man, we've been open for a couple of months now and people are not showing up in the flocks that I really expected. (laughs) And, you know, my ego really, really took a hit. And I, I really let my ego drive that for a long time. And I spent a lot of time, not super successful, allowing the military, the pay I was receiving in the military to really float the gym. And, you know, she, she was my girlfriend at the time, my now wife. I was like, man, I don't even know if I can pay this person. She's just kind of like hooking me up. And that was a big, big hit, especially coming from a family of very high achievers of, you know, CEOs and things like that. I was like, man, am I just going to be like the black sheep failure of the family? (laughs) So that was a really humbling time. And that was the first time where I really had to ask for help, which for, I believe most men, especially younger men can be one of the most challenging things to do. Ultimately, you know, my savior at the end of the day, when you talk to people that have been, you know, crushing it and actually know what they're doing and understand entrepreneurship and, you know, business ownership. Um, But yeah, I would say that that was probably one of the major hits to me was stepping from a very successful military career into entrepreneurship. And realizing that I was not nearly as prepared as what I was and failed for far longer than I was successful. (laughs) Yeah, man. And, uh, you know, I I definitely agree with that, that for me, I know one of the hardest things my whole life has been asking for help. And it's interesting because like when I when I think about it, it wasn't that like, you know, at least the ego wasn't uh, attacking me and like, no, I have to do it myself thing. It was more (laughs) like, ah, people won't want to help me. Like, I just I'm just going to do this myself type thing. And uh, it's very interesting. And so I'm curious, you know, being as how you were talking about how you would like just miss the bubble. Right. And like then uh Eventually, that gym ended up doing well, right? So well that yes. you still continue to do it up until this day in some way, shape, or form. And so I'm curious, you know, uh, specifically with being creative, right? And like tapping into that creativity, because I imagine at a certain point, you had to tap into that creativity to do things that were a little more outside of the box or do things that were different than a lot of the other gyms were offering. Tell me a little bit about that. Like, what was that process like? Like after you realized like, oh shit, this is different than I thought, right? And mm-hmm. entrepreneurship wasn't exactly what you had imagined it. 
what was the process? How long did it take? Uh, we can you know streamline it, but how long did it take? And what was like that first aha moment where all of a sudden people started showing up and you went, ah, I think I'm getting this now. Great question. And I know exactly when this happened. So I, looking back, I only knew one thing. <laughs> I only knew the military. I only knew the interactions and how I talked to those people. And for a long time, that's how I ran my gym. And what everyday person wants some 20 something year old just barking at them, Yeah, you know? So it's not super enticing. And the big shift for me was when I really decided to dive into my own personal development. Hmm. And I went to the OG training camp for the soul, which at that time was journey to love. Yeah. And that's where I met Anat. Right? I believe you've been through the mm-hmm. through the program, and that's actually where I met Ange. Oh, and cool. I went through that thing, and that was five days of just emotional <laughs> beatdown in the best possible way, just stripping all the bullshit off of me of who I thought I was and who I thought I had to show up as, and I left that feeling a million times lighter and really prepared to step into a different role and show up the way I wanted to know or the way I wanted to really show up within the gym. And that's like happy, inviting. And like, really, we talk about making the gym experience like the best hour of their day or something like that. And, you know, you can't do that when you're just barking orders at people. (laughs) So when I was finally able to be comfortable enough with myself to step into that role as the front facing person who isn't so, you know, stone faced rigid and is actually like inviting people to the gym to experience this great thing that we're doing. That was the real stepping off point to the gym becoming successful and starting to see the consistent flow of, you know, new membership and new business opportunity really. That's beautiful, man. You know, uh, you're definitely right that training camp is definitely like you've been wrung out with an emotional dish, dish towel, you know, <laughs> like it's uh, I'm actually doing the in-person component because they have the 90 day virtual and then the yeah. five day in person. I'm doing the five day in person. I leave next Thursday. So, uh, uh, yeah, I'm excited for all that. It's amazing. We only had the five day yeah. in person and it was it was three of us and a knot. Wow. And I believe she had a helper and it was, bro, just three dudes just crying and screaming. I don't want to take anything away from it. I've heard. Um, but it's, it's life-changing. It really is. Yeah. It's life-changing. You know, it's, it's interesting, uh, not to get off topic, but I'm curious, I'm, I'm, I, I love talking about this, but it's so funny how life works and how life will bring you into the places and the people, people, places and things that you're meant to be around. So long as you show up and you do the work necessary to, uh, expand who you're meant to be, uh, last, what was it? Uh, two November, was it not the last November or not the last October, but the one before that, uh, mm-hmm. it was 2019, pretty sure. Yeah, I, I decided uh, I was working in cannabis and I had been, you know, tons of health stuff forever and, you know, getting into the whole coaching thing. And I decided I'm going to go take Paul Check's HLC one course out in yeah. San Diego. So my first time coming to San Diego, I ask all the people that would normally want to come. None of them want to come. I'm like, all right, I'm doing this alone. So I go out there. I end up uh, going to class. 
Uh, everyone fills in. There's one seat left. This guy comes in a couple minutes late, sits down, uh, ends up being Doug Piller, and I end up shooting the shit with him. I don't know if we've met Doug yet, but uh, oh. uh, he's in San Diego. He does uh, San Diego Steel Mace and everything, but um, I end up shooting the shit with him. And we end up connecting, right? And uh, about five minutes after he gets into class, he realizes that someone else is in class that he knows. They end up giving each other a huge hug. And I'm like, oh, how do you know him? He's like, dude, we did some fucking crazy retreat in the mountains. We got raw. Like, he's my brother. It was training camp, right? Like, that's what he was talking about. Yeah. And so uh, it's just so funny because at the time I'm like, what is this like thing he's talking about, you know? And now Mm -hmm. I'm like, wow, I'm in it, you know? So it's just, it's really interesting that life is like a boomerang in a lot of ways. And like you meeting Ange there, like, and now you're sitting like in Alpha Hippie and you guys are business partners. It's like, it's so funny how these things happen where you can like, you never know if the person you sit down next to is going to be someone that literally you spend the rest of your life with in terms of like uh, romantic, uh, business, whatever. Um, it's just so interesting. I love think it, it really trips me out a lot to think about like the first time I ever sat next to someone who became a best friend of mine, you know? And so uh, yeah, and I imagine that was like, uh, something you can look back on now with the gym, like that was the start of the rest of your life, right? Which was like going a journey of love, realizing like there was so much more to you. And when you were like allowing that to come out of you, you got so much more positive reinforcement as a result of it. And one of the things I wanted to uh, go back on real quick is the the whole concept of the ego taking hits, right? And and how important this has been for me and I imagine for you as well, being able to take those hits and realize that the ego is not all there is. And I'm curious what your thoughts are on the importance of this, you know, taking hits for the ego for men specifically, right? Like being able to essentially take hits and, and learn to, if they're smart, ask for help and be able to like, you know, you can do anything, but not everything, et cetera. What do you think on that in terms of importance level? You said it. You have to learn from it. And I believe that you have two choices to make when something doesn't go the way you expect it. You step into it and you look at it for what it is and what you can extract from the failure, whether that be, you know, knowledge, whether that be experience, you know, whatever it is, or you can sit in (laughs) self-pity. Those, I mean, that's really, that's really the option. Like it's not bad to take a day and feel sorry for yourself. Like that's, it's a totally natural human thing to do. But if you aren't in a place where you can then be like, all right, I now have to reevaluate and reposition myself to set myself up for success, then that's when it becomes a really dangerous thing. And I believe that just comes with men who have put in the work when you, when you've put in a a certain level of work and you can look at failures, not at like labeled as failures, but as learning experiences, you become infinitely more potent in whatever it is that you're doing Mm -hmm. because they're just, they're speed bumps instead of setbacks. I love that, man. 
And it's definitely been 100% true in my life as well, where for uh, a long time, you know, I fell into the victim mentality in my younger years and, you know, the whole world was against me, you know, uh, what was me type thing. And then getting into self-development when I was around 20 and really fitness was my in, you know, my my first uh, category of self-development and learning to push through things there and, you know, waking up, oh, I don't want to wake up at four in the morning or just like, hey, I'm up, let's do it, you know, type thing. Yeah. And that really led over into the other areas of my life. And it brings up like a question that I have, which is like, what do you think some of the main ways that men specifically sabotage themselves are, right? Because as men, I imagine, like as a man, I imagine you've done quite a bit of this yourself. I know I have. And like for those listening, you know, especially the men, I think this is extremely important because a lot of us are not aware of how we're doing it and we're silently suffering trying to be the lone wolf, right? Because we have all this pressure on us, these stories of who we need to be. We need to be the lone wolf. We can't ask for help. We need to be the leader. But really, leaders ask for help so i'm curious what are the some of the main ways you've seen with alpha hippie and in your own journey and with the gym of men sabotaging themselves what does that look like inabilities to communicate both internally and externally so most men or i don't want to i don't want to project that but some men i feel like are unwilling to write down their emotions and really sit in them and just get them off of the internal, mm -hmm. right? Like that's really important. It's really important to, to take what's going on inside of you and externalize it, but not in obviously some form of violent way, like mm -hmm. get it out there and just take it off of, off of your heart. Mm -hmm. And then the second por portion of that is the external and being able to have conversations about how you feel emotionally is a super powerful thing. And a lot of men are really uncomfortable talking about their just general feelings. And, uh, you know, they're uncomfortable with the ones that are closest to them. You know, I mean, I found when I first, you know, marriage is a really unique thing. And, you know, it takes a lot of time for some to, to really open up. And when I, when I finally realized that my wife chose me, and is willing to like stand by my side. I was like, I am just kind of being an asshole, not <laughs> giving myself to her and telling her what is really going on inside of me. Mm. So that's something I really feel like men would benefit from. Um, number two is their relationship with exercise mm. and balance yeah. within the exercise and looking at all the stress and everything that they have going, going on in their life. I don't think there's any bad exercise. I think it's how men really see what's going on in their life and then choosing the exercise that they do. Right. So if, if you are firing on all cylinders and you are controlling your stress and you know, eating well and managing your emotional state and things like that. And if you choose to express your fitness in a more aggressive or like high intensity way, there's balance with that. But for a lot of men, I really feel like they self-sabotage themselves where they're, they're either unfulfilled in their life or they're just grinding, 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 not sleeping, not eating well, not addressing that emotional state. And then they go beat the shit out of themselves in fitness. Yeah. And 
That's just a lose-lose combination. Now you're literally, you're not addressing, or you're addressing the physical, but you're not addressing it in a really healthy manner. And you're not addressing, you know, all the internal, internal inputs. And those, I would say those are really the two that I've noticed have a huge impact. And I, you know, I think of the lower level things that really any man can consciously make a change without having to go on like crazy journeys and things like that. It's a really conscious decision to be like, oh, I'm stressed. I'm not going to beat the shit out of myself in the gym. And I'm going to do something that's a little bit more nurturing to my body. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to be more open and have, you know, real or raw conversations with the people close to me, or even just start journaling just so I don't have to sit with uh, with those bullshit feelings inside of me. Yeah. Dude, I love that. And I love that you brought up exercise because it's been one of the main ways that uh, I've sabotaged myself over the years, um, you know, and it's it's more so for me been just overtraining just in general. It's like no amount of sleep or food can just prevent like seven day a week, you know, strength workouts. It's just ridiculous, you know, and so I moved through that. And uh, one of the quotes that I love the most, I don't know who said it, but there's no bad exercise, just exercise is done badly, you know, and yeah. I love that because it's so true. It's like. Same thing with tools. Like a hammer is not a bad tool, but if you need to screw something into a deck, you're not going to use a hammer, you know, Uh, or you shouldn't anyway, you know. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I'm curious also, like for a lot of the listeners, they're either entrepreneurs or aspiring entrepreneurs, right? Mm -hmm. And this is like kind of a two-part question because uh, number one being like if they're stuck right now and they're in analysis paralysis of like what do I do first, what do you think a good place to start would be? And number two, overall – what advice do you have for someone going out to start their own thing? Just in general, it doesn't matter what it is, but like what advice do you do you wish was told to you when you were, say, you know, uh, uh, 20, 30, anything that would have been able to help you a little bit uh, in your journey? I'm going to attack the, uh, the second part of that question first. Cool. <laughs> the, just because it's, it's very, it's hit me the hardest right now. Yeah. Um, And it sounds, I don't want it to sound cliche, you know, it's something that's been talked about a lot, but really finding your why Mm. behind why you're doing something and getting that to the root issue changes everything. You know, you use the example of, oh, I have to wake up at 4am to train or something like that. When you really know the why behind it, you just do it Mm -hmm. because you're really passionate about it. And I'm not saying you have to, my advice is not finding your why, but it's finding a guide that Mm. can help you to your why. So instead of seeking more knowledge, instead of investing so much money into specific, you know, we'll just use exercise, you know, like, Olympic weightlifting certifications, get away from all the bullshit knowledge because you can always absorb more of that stuff. And most coaches, I believe, just have so much of it. That's what creates the paralysis. And they don't really understand the bigger why of why they're doing everything in their life. Mm. So find a guide that can help you figure that out. That's amazing. And that's, you know... I wanted to answer that because that's really, that's where I'm at with Alpha Hippie yeah. is I, I found that why. And now, 
you know, I train every morning at 4.30. I drive 50 minutes up to San Clemente, you know, to work with these guys. You know, I'm, I'm learning all these new areas of the business and I'm not just absorbing information for the sake of absorbing information. I'm doing it because I'm, I truly understand the why and the bigger impact I want to have with the company. Mm-hmm. And that just, that makes it so much more enjoyable to do those things. Yeah. Because you're then enjoying the journey, you know, you're actually enjoying the present moment. And, you know, something you said there, it's like, don't find your why, you know, find your guide. And and to add on to that, you know, I really think that a why is actually built, right? Like it's something that evolves over time too. It's kind of like when people say, find your passion. It's like passion is cultivated more than it's found. You know, I mean, you might find something that interests you, but you know, in my own personal experience, I think one of the ways that people are led astray, and you know, I don't think this is uh, uh, necessarily a fault of anyone saying it, but I think you know, a lot of people like they expect to just go find something and then be like, "Oh my god, I want to wake up at four thirty every day, and I'll just never have a problem. But I'll always love it. It will always be my thing." And really, it's you know, really, uh, what I've found is that like the dance of passion is a dance of love. You know, it's just like a, a, a relationship, right? Where you know, some days you're just super passionate and you're everything's perfect. And then there are days where maybe you get in an argument and, you know, mm-hmm. shit feels really dull, you know, and and then the next day you you make up and it's like, whoa, it's amazing. And it's it's very similar, once again, to breaking down muscle in the gym. You know, you go to the gym and uh, if you're a sicko like me, you like the sore thing. But, you know, like but like, you know, the first couple of times you hit the gym, you know, before you're used yeah. to it, you wake up the next day and you're like, oh, I can't move <laughs> anything, you know, yeah. and uh you know, getting to that level. And, you know, there's some days you're like, this fucking sucks. I don't want to do this, especially with training. It's like, oh my God, like I just beat the shit out of myself or something. And then after a while you start realizing, you know, maybe it's not the right way to go at it every day, like gangbusters. And maybe some days I'm meant to go at my passion or whatever you can insert thing here. Like, uh, like, like a woman, right. Where, or a man for those women listening or other men listening where like, you know, you, you, sometimes it's soft, you know, sometimes you need to be soft. Sometimes you need to be gentle. Sometimes you need to, uh, have subtlety to things, you know, Mm -hmm. and passion is the same way. Your why is the same way. Like there are certain days like that I wake up, especially with everything that I'm doing with highly optimized and with the new podcast and everything I have going where I wake up and it's just, my mind is swirling right off the bat, you know, and that's a day where I'm like, okay, you know what, what's on my schedule today? Okay, nothing super important. Today, I'm going to take an extra hour and a half to meditate in the morning and just Mm -hmm. really tune myself in, go for a walk. And remember again, why I'm doing this. Remember again, that like, you know, hey, it's just life. No one gets out alive. Don't take it too seriously. You know, (laughs) like, (laughs) you know, and uh, so I'm curious for you, because, you know, mindset is a term that's thrown around a lot. And, uh, and yet it is very important. Right. And I'm curious, you know, for men, I've realized, and for women too, but you know, because I'm a man, I've seen it with, you know, men more. How have you found, what ways have you found or what, what, um, strategies have you found 
to to work with the mind, right? To be able to bring the components of you, you know, as Journey to Love would say, your ego, your inner critic, your all the parts of you together under one roof to work as a team. Because I feel like that's one of the things that especially men, like I think about men in plant medicine journeys, kill your ego, bro, ego death, you know? And it's yeah. like, that's a fast way to make part of yourself hate yourself, you know? And <laughs> <For> so <sure. laughs> I'm curious, like what your thoughts are on that and uh, what ways you use maybe daily or whatever what different things you use to bring your mind into balance so that you can live with yourself and have some sanity and some peace of mind (laughs) what i've gotten better at by no means am i perfect but really giving my body what it's calling for in the moment and not in previous years i was very very rigid And I think a lot of men do this where we look at other people's routines and what are other people, other people doing like morning routines, for example, things like that. And they're like, Oh, what is this person doing? And what is this person doing? And I really fell victim to that. And the more time I've spent connecting with my body and being able to take a step back and be like, all right, well, what is my body actually calling for right now? that has probably been the the best thing i've used to balance out my mindset mm-hmm. um i could say you know if some days i feel like i need to ramp up maybe i actually hop in an ice bath mm-hmm. you know maybe i need that quick zap that quick hit to just kind of like knock myself out from where from where i currently am and that works really really well Maybe it's meditating. You know, I really, really enjoy hopping in my sauna mm-hmm. and just chilling out there and finding clarity in solitude. I think that has been really huge for me or journaling. Um, that's been super helpful. Exercise has been super helpful. So I know that's kind of a broad, kind of a broad strokes answer, but I would say instead of focusing on just one thing, get better at connecting and understanding what your body's calling for. Mm. And most times I would say it's getting into some form of a parasympathetic state. Mm -hmm. That has been the biggest thing for me being the person that wants to do everything. (laughs) The more time I spend sitting and not sitting in a state where like my feet are like, well, what are we going to do next? And da, 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 da. And really disconnecting from the external world for a little bit has been the biggest thing that's kept me balanced from a mindset perspective. I love that, man. And, you know, I think it's so important because especially like coming from Boston, I know everyone here is just like walking around with a purpose. Like they're always like, go, 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 do, do, yeah. do, you know? Oh. And, uh, and I know that's very similar for like LA. I know it's very similar for New York, uh, for a lot of big cities and really just for the world at this point with how much stimulation we have. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, one of the things I loved about staying with Ange was, uh, the fact that, you know, at night, it's really like his routine is not based around like forgetting the day, but more embracing the day. Right. So like the day, like the work, whatever is like, um, 
uh, it reminds me of a quote. It was like, you know, don't get your work confused with your passion or something like that, where basically like there are things we do every day that, yeah, like uh, ideally, like in your guys' situation and my situation, we love to do. We're lucky. We actually really mm-hmm. do like w- what our work is. And then at the end of the day, we come home and that's our time to like celebrate. Right. And totally. so like, you know, I think for especially for men, like routine and like structure is like so important, you know, and I'm curious what some of the ways you found. I know you talked about a couple of them with your sauna and things like that. But like I see a big call for for men specifically to get back to like, hey, come home at night and play card games with the family and like actually be present with like what mm-hmm. they're doing. And that was something that, you know, I had been dabbling in. And when I went to go uh, hang out with Ange and stay with him for a while, like every night was Uno night. And I found myself actually after day two craving that way more than craving like, you know, like a TV show or something, which isn't yeah. inherently bad. I'm not saying to anyone who's listening, like you can't watch TV, do whatever you want, you know, you're a sovereign being. But, mm-hmm. you know, what I've found for me is that like, that really lit me up inside. And I and I feel as though what it was was something to do with the inner child. And so like, what are some of the things you do? I guess the question would be, what are the things you do to keep your inner child alive, right? Because that's your essence of play, right? Like, how do you play? And what is the value of play in Ryan's life? <laughs> what do I do for play? Well, the first thing, we, we kind of started this on like the routine and how you guys kind of do your Uno thing. So yeah. the first thing I, I like to say is when I, when I do get home from work, uh, lately, I've made a very conscious effort now to... I leave my backpack and my phone in my car. Mm. So I completely detach from those things because I just know who I am and it's something I'm actively working on of, of disconnecting from, from those tools, but just not having them in my vicinity and know that they are in my car. It's ridiculous how quickly I even forget about them. You know, and I don't even have the option to go and grab it until my son goes to bed. And then that's when, if I do need to check something or do something, I'll go out and do that. Mm. Uh, But from a play standpoint, man, I love the outdoors. (laughs) The outdoors, that old saying like nature is calling is so deeply intertwined in me and play right now. I'm really into mountain biking. Mm. Uh, I'm really into shooting. I just took up archery. Nice. And I'm really trying to experience some new, new things where I just have to learn. I, I look at play as learning new, new things, you know, and coming from so many years of the military and in firearms, I grew to not enjoy those things. So there was a couple of years after I left where I completely put those away and it was, wasn't really something I was interested in pursuing. And probably within the last, you know, eight or nine months, I started picking those things back up again and just teaching myself new skills. Mm. So between that archery, mountain biking, you know, those things get me outside and, you know, in Southern California, it's, there's a lot of opportunity to do that stuff. (laughs) Um, and really now it's playing with my son. Awesome. That is getting to experience him understand and learn the world is so amazing. And, you know, watching him just 
jump up after sitting and doing nothing and run in circles and like just be a crazy person. I find myself doing more of that and just like mimicking him and having fun and being silly after so many years of having to be rigid and having to give this like stoic sort of, you know, I'm a member of the military and things like that. And where you like, you don't really get to express those things doing more of that to to kind of touch my inner child has been dude the most fulfilling thing i've ever done you know I, you know Ange always says this but our children are really they're our buddhas they're our biggest they teachers. teach us everything we you know need to know should know and yeah. just it's a it's a beautiful thing they're so cool. That's amazing. You know, I love hearing that and, you know, bringing uh, me through your play cycle and everything. I mean, mountain biking, all those things. Uh, you know, I was talking to Leo, uh, Leo Yerkides the other day, Leo Savage, and uh, he was talking about how he's like, man, you know, I love being a beginner at things, you know, and it like was interesting because something clicked for me when he said that, which was like, yeah, like you can actually, in my experience, play more when you're a novice because you have not yet learned the rules right like and and when you learn the rules it takes a certain amount of skill to be able to like learn the rules and break them right like Mm -hmm. i think about guitar for me right like guitar was for a long time like i have to stay in these scales and then after a while i learned like or i could just break them and just do my own thing and coincidentally that was right around the time i started experimenting with psychedelics you know weird correlation (laughs) but you know it's psychology yeah yeah exactly correlation doesn't equal causation but there's a strong correlation there, you know, but, sure. but yeah, it's, it's so interesting how that happens. And, you know, on the subject of family, you know, especially as men, uh, because this is a manly episode, you know, we, we move through yeah. these episodes uh, or these, uh, chapters of our lives. Right. And right now, like you're in the family chapter, right? Like you're, you're enjoying that phase of your life. And I love hearing, uh, uh, I know we just chatted a little bit about this, but I love hearing more like, what was the transition you went through, uh, becoming a husband and a father? Were they different? Were they, I don't know how far apart they were, but I imagine they were different, but in what ways, like, what did you notice about yourself change and was it instant or did it happen over like a little while? Let me, uh, let me get in your head about that, dude. I love hearing this stuff. (laughs) Well, single to married Ryan. Mm. Man, that was all, all I can do is thank my wife for <laughs> for putting up with me and wanting to continue walking walking that line of marriage with me. Being a business owner with your significant other adds a totally different dynamic to things. There was a there was a period where we lived in our gym for for well over a year in a very small, small room up on top of our, of on top of our gym and co- like cooking on a camp stove, like really not ideal, not yeah. ideal situations, but it was a roof over our head. It's romantic. And yeah. <laughs> yeah, but that, I mean, me committing to someone on, on that level, like I take marriage very very serious. And it took me a little bit longer than, than most to, to get to that point. Not that there's really a timeline on it, but, um, it took me a little bit longer and 
that was my first real step, I believe, into kind of becoming becoming a man, taking on a level of responsibility where I am somehow in in a small way responsible for this person. That w- that was a big step, and then man, you know, husband and wife to mom and dad just <laughs> takes it to a whole nother level. And our birth, the birth of our son did not go the way we planned. So we, we originally started in a, in a birth center. You know, my wife is, is very health focused and she re- really wanted to deliver their, our son Bodhi naturally. And to fast forward, it did not go to plan whatsoever. We ended up in an ambulance and, you know, in, in a hospital um, with him eventually, you know, being born with a, uh, with a crazy Russian doctor, this woman <laughs> doctor who, you know, I paint the picture of just very intense, you know, if she could have been smoking a cigarette in, yeah. in the birth room, she would have been smoking a cigarette and very, very confrontational. And that to me was the, was a major shift in having never met my son, but realizing that I am responsible now for a baby mm. who has, has not even been brought into the world, but, but this woman being very aggressive and trying to make decisions for my wife and things like that, having to step up on a whole nother level and realize that I'm, I'm dealing with a, a human life that the decisions I make right now are going to have very long-term effects on him. And in the moment you, you know, training just kind of kicks in as a human and you do what you need to do. And we, we got through all of that and that was all good. But looking back at that, that is just, holy shit. (laughs) to, To know that those decisions have such a huge impact on who he is and everything I do now, how I show up every day, how I talk to him, how I interact with his mother, how I interact with the people around me all have this huge impact. And when I really started to realize that, bro, everything changes. Mm. And for me, I really had to do an audit of how I was showing up and showing out. Mm. Yeah, man. Yeah. That's that's a that's a beautiful journey you just took us through, and you know it leads perfectly into something I wanted to chat about, which was I imagine there were many times throughout that part of your journey that you felt like an imposter, right? That you felt like, oh my god, all the symptoms are coming up, right? Imposter syndrome flying yeah. high, and you know, being is how you teach such an amazing workshop on this uh, mm-hmm. that I literally I have a like three pages full of notes. I thought I knew what imposter syndrome was. I had no idea. And then as you were going through, I was like, oh, should I have that? Oh, yeah, that. Okay, that. I'm like, oh, "Oh, that's that? I'm like, oh, my God. So I'd love if you could bring us through what imposter syndrome is. And for those listening, what some uh, uh, telltale signs of it might be if they're experiencing it right now. So the first thing I want to preface is if you don't think you have imposter syndrome, you're just bullshitting yourself. (laughs) Accurate. (laughs) And you're probably not challenging yourself enough. Like you're really, 
unless you're you're continuing to dance with something that scares you you're probably living smaller than what you really could be doing mm-hmm. so imposter syndrome to me is really just kind of an internal feeling of fear not feeling good enough not feeling like you understand enough of what whatever you're trying to do it's it's really it's your inability to take action that to me is really what imposter syndrome is and it shows up in a couple different ways you know i i believe i went through you know five four or five different stages of imposter syndrome but how it shows up in most people is procrastination and over preparation mm. so when you're looking at the life cycle of imposter syndrome or kind of the cycle of it, it usually starts with a task, something that you've either chosen chosen to do or something, you know, that's been assigned to you. And then you go through a stage of anxiety where you know you're eventually going to have to do this thing and you're just anxious. You're like, fuck, I really, you know, am not super jazzed about this. And, you know, that's just, your fear, that's your self-talk, that's your own thing. Mm -hmm. And then it usually goes into self-doubt and you're like, man, I don't even know if I can do this thing. (laughs) And then you really step into worry and you're like, all right, the day is here and now I actually have to do this thing. Mm -hmm. And you're like, all right, that's when inaction starts. Mm -hmm. And you start thinking of all the ways that you can get out of it. And I said that on the the workshop itself, dude, I was thinking of all the ways of how I could get out of it because I've really, for a long time, struggled with imposter syndrome, you know, and feeling like I was good enough. So you work through that cycle and what's super important with that cycle is taking the time to acknowledge the emotion. Mm. So it's fine that you're scared. Because that means you're doing something that's going to promote a form of self-growth. Yeah. But when you take a step back and you sit in it, and that's why I believe journaling on this can be a super powerful thing. You sit in it and you ask yourself, what do I feel? Why do I feel this way? And are those things valid? Like, are those, are these feelings really valid? Is there some form of fact or is this just fear from a previous experience that has kind of brought me, brought me to this point and you work through that and you try to whittle it down. And this, this is where you may need a coach or a coach would be beneficial uh, to get down to the root issue of that. Mm -hmm. Maybe maybe at one point you got some really poor, you know, feedback on social media or a coach or a professor gave you a really hard critique on a paper or something like that. At some at some point you've had an experience where somebody told you that something you did wasn't good enough or you shouldn't be doing this or you don't, you know, you don't understand this. And those experiences really mold our imposter. Mm. So getting to that root issue and then 
getting that off of you through the expression of whether it be written or story work for those that are familiar with story work is really how you get past the imposter. But what's important to understand is the different stages of imposter syndrome. So it starts very low level and maybe this just feels like general anxiety. You know, every podcast I get on, I have a level of imposter syndrome. Same. You know, and that's just at this point I've learned to I've learned to embrace it because I know me getting on and talking on podcasts is both beneficial for me and I know for the listeners I you know I have some cool concepts so I Absolutely. like to share those. So the imposter doesn't really have a huge a huge hold on me. And then from there you can start looking at do you have like nervous tics or you know do you chew a pen when you when you start thinking about the thing that you're going to do. So it's more of like compulsory things. They start to manifest physically and then it'll continue working down the line. Like we start working into like extreme levels of panic where you're like, bro, I have no idea if I can do this. And it becomes truly paralyzing. And then basically it would work into uh, social phobia, Mm -hmm. I believe, where, you know, if I had to do this podcast in front of 10,000 people, that imposter would be probably coming out yes, quite yes. a bit stronger live. And I would, I would really be thinking about all, all the ways to get out of it and really have this, this phobia of doing the thing. And that's what would create the inaction. So my point with, with that is the, the less anxiety you have about the thing, the, the smaller the grip the imposter has on you, but it's not, you know, you getting past it and doing the thing is, is a win. It's a major win and you should celebrate that, but it's not going to have like a huge impact on your life where if you're at like stage five and you're like deathly afraid of this thing, if you can figure out a way to get out and do it and accomplish that thing, when you finish that, you are going to completely change your life. Mm. Weights are going to feel like they're being lifted off of you because you've gone so deep into your fear and challenged it. You're going to be a better person because of it, right? So you have something that scares you. Do that fear audit. And if if you're really seeing some resistance, it's you know it's an opportunity to step in and have a huge growth moment in your life. I love that, man. And you know, it's so true because like I was saying before, I experienced so much of that. And now I'm aware, like, it's not like it, when I learned about it, it magically went away, but now I understand, Oh, that means I'm good. Right. Like, and Mm -hmm. you know, to, to talk about like the, the levels of it, I then know like how far outside of my comfort zone am I stepping now, like on a daily basis, like in terms of being able to continue the growth, I want to be just mildly uncomfortable, right? Like just enough where I'm like, Ooh, I'm definitely a little nervous, but I'm not like a stage five. Right. But every once in a while, it is nice to get like a stage five, especially if things happen. Like, you know, uh, like for me, like, uh, hanging out with Paul check. Right. And like being invited to his house and doing that, that was like a stage three or four properly where I was like, Whoa, but it felt really good too. But, you know, just like in the gym, you don't strength train every day. 
uh, you can look at this the same way for your mindset, right? Like being able to like slowly step out, you know, consistently every day. And then every once in a while, boom, jolt yourself up and then just learn to live with it. Learn that it's going to be there, right? To some degree, probably all the time. I mean, I imagine everyone has it to some degree, right? You know, for me, it's become one of my greatest teachers because now I know when I'm living outside of my comfort zone from my imposter syndrome, you know, and that's totally so. Yeah. Just to expand upon that a little bit, the I think the big concept, I'm not saying you have to go and like do the five things. Yeah, yeah. The, it's more important that you don't say no to it. Yeah. And it's still on the table. And by all means, do the preparation, do take the, the requisite steps of the twos, the threes, the level, you know, the level fours to get to that point. So you're, so you are prepared to do that bigger thing. If that, if you are some, at some point called to do that, but don't just throw it on the back burner and be like, I'm never, ever going to do that. Like, cause it scares me. Knows, yeah. Maybe someday I will talk to 10,000 people and do a live podcast, something yeah. like that. Uh, <laughs> I'm open to it. Yeah. I, does it cause me anxiety? Absolutely. Like that's, yeah, that would really <laughs> drive some fear into yeah. me, but there's things I can do to get to that point to, you know, muster the courage and make that shit happen. Yeah, dude. And, you know, like looking ahead now on to, you know, all the work you've done, uh, you know, this amazing step you've taken, like to get into Alpha Hippie and you guys are crushing it, doing all this stuff and really like showing up for your imposter syndrome, right? Like pushing mm-hmm. through it, like what are you most excited about in 2021 and beyond for your own development and also the development of masculinity worldwide, right? With all these conversations being had with Alpha Hippie doing what you guys are doing and, you know, such important work to help men become more home in themselves. What are you most excited about looking forward to like 2021 and beyond? Great question. Mm-hmm. I, I'm most exci- most excited about stewarding the brand itself. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you, you know, Marcus, you know, Ange, my business partners, mm-hmm. Ange is behind the, the, the knowledge of it. And I really believe I was, I was brought into this world to steward the brand as a whole and drive the whole ship forward. Yeah. And that's what I'm most excited about to really growing Alpha Hippie to have a huge reach and impact thousands millions of men like that's that is my job that is beautiful and for all you ladies listening if you want your man to be better for you for the world around you hit up the hippie you know (laughs) most definitely they are they are in great hands. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm in the program right now and I love it. I mean, it's it's everything I've been searching for. And I've done a lot of different programs and they're all amazing in one way, shape or form. But for me as a man, this was like uh, really the one area that I hadn't really done. A, I haven't straight up. I hadn't done a program based on masculinity. And so now that I'm doing it, it's invaluable to me. And uh, I can't thank you guys enough. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah, dude, we're, we're pumped to have you in the program. Yeah, um, I don't want to, I don't want to leave your, the last part of your question hanging though. Mm. Um, what am I most excited about masculinity mm. uh, moving forward is really creating a more connected, connected man. And because I believe that's going to bring a more resilient man to the world. Resiliency 
uh, I believe is a huge, a huge issue where some men are physically resilient. Some are a little bit more mentally resilient. And I believe there's a line down the middle. I don't necessarily want to use the word optimal, but for the sake of, you know, example, um, there's a balance between physical and mental where a super resilient man lies um, and getting past this bullshit of toxic masculinity. Yeah. Right. Like a man can, there's an, there's a time where a man needs to be a savage and there's a time when a man needs to be compassionate and we are going to steward that and we are going to help men find balance in their lives and redefine what masculinity really, really is. And if at this point in time, you're on one side, you're not bad. Mm. And that's really important for society to understand. They're not bad. They're just defaulting to, you know, evolution. Yeah, absolutely. And they just need a little guidance. That's it to, to balance themselves out. And that's what we're here for. Yeah. Essentially, I mean, you're shepherding them, you know, you're, you're allowing them, you're walking them home right into themselves. Mm -hmm. And man, that's, that's such an incredible mission. And I love what you guys do. I mean, each of you guys is such a powerhouse and, uh, the trifecta, you you know, the three legs of the tripod, as I might say, um, you know, are just, uh, such badass, beautiful individuals, man. And, uh, yeah, right. And this was so fun getting to hang with you, getting to riff with you one-on-one dude. And, uh, you know, I'm curious, where can I send people to connect with you to learn more about the imposter syndrome workshop? If you're going to do more of those to learn more about alpha hippie and just to vibe with you, man. Yeah, man. Um, you can find me on Instagram. Um, my handle is Ryan underscore butchantini underscore one underscore um there's a, i have a few accounts out there uh, nice. i go through these weird things with instagram um <laughs> that's that's the one i'll have for a little bit Beautiful. uh you can find alpha hippie at i am alpha hippie on facebook instagram that's probably the best place to connect with us or shoot me an email ryan at i am alpha hippie.com uh, i'd love to connect with anyone who wants to jam on this stuff Awesome, man. And I have one last question for you, Ryan, if you're up for yeah. it. All right, cool. Let's do it. So if someone listening could only make one change to highly optimize their lives, what would Ryan Buccentini suggest that change be? I'm going to go back to what I said about balance, please. right? And if you will, we'll go to the energies of masculine and, and feminine energies. And for those men, you know, that, that are listening, don't underestimate the power of feminine energy Hmm. and bringing more of it into your life to find balance. So if you, if you feel like you are a more masculine male, understand feminine energy. And if you're more of a feeler, more on the feminine side, do something to embrace that inner animal, that Hmm. inner savage, that inner masculine and start to find some balance in your life. Understanding nature and nurture when it comes to masculinity will help you truly level up as a man. Dude, spoken like a true badass, man. I couldn't agree Thank more. You. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so guys, 
I'm sure it is clearly evident now why I was so excited to get Ryan onto the show to share his lessons and his wisdom with us, as I feel many of the things he has traversed and gone through are many of the same things so many of us, including myself, have struggled with or been challenged by at one point or another. If you are currently facing any challenges, looking to upgrade your life and your happiness, and you're willing to do the work necessary to achieve greatness, then reach out to Ryan right now to learn all the amazing ways he can assist you on becoming the fullest expression of who you are meant to be. Ryan, thank you so much for sharing your time, your insights, and your wisdom with us today. And until next time, my friend, journey well, be well, much love to you, my man. Namaste. What is up, everybody? I hope you are all enjoying the show, and I wanted to stop by real quick and share a little bit about our latest podcast sponsor, Freedom Builders. Now, Freedom Builders are a team of graphic designers, website creators, videographers, social media marketing experts, and coaches that build out your custom online business from A to Z. This is a done-for-you service, which means they do the work for you while you get to put your focus back on what you love most, which is coaching your clients and bringing in sales. Now, as a former online fitness coach, Mike knows where your struggle points are and exactly how to help you overcome them. This is why he created Freedom Builders, so that you can scale your business while protecting your time and your energy. Now, you guys know that delegation is a business superpower, and you can activate this superpower today by scheduling a complimentary call with Mike at freedombuilders with a z on the end.com so you can start building the freedom that allows you to take your business to the next level. Alex and I recently connected with Freedom Builders for our Connect with Cannabis build out and we could not have been happier with the results. With Mike and his team, they were able to go through an outline and create a personalized program for our experience, develop our brand identity, build and design a custom branded webpage, professionally edit our program video content, custom design all of our slide presentations, automate our email marketing sequences, create a seamless payment system for our offer, design unique infographics for our social media content, and guide us through our proven launch blueprint to generate organic leads through our social media. So if you're a coach, facilitator, or healer listening to this ad right now, and you are looking to put freedom back into your life, once again, go to freedombuilders, with a Z on the end, .com, and book your complimentary call today. I hope you all enjoy the rest of the show, and I'm wishing you the best day ever.